This episode of the Power Connect podcast is brought to you by EFO Ventures. People don't buy a Ferrari because they want to spend $300,000 on a Ferrari to get from point A to point B. It's how they want to get from point A to point B, right? To see that evolution, and it's coming in the mobility space, the micro-mobility space, is going to be fun, right? And there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. Welcome into the Power Connect Podcast. I'm your host, Fred Davis. Episode 37 of the program, rolling along on a Friday. Happy September, everybody. Happy Friday. Man, this year is rolling along at breakneck speed, but I've also been told that the older you get, the faster time seems to fly by. So I guess that just means I'm getting older. But that doesn't take away from the fact that we've got a great episode for you today, Mr. Brett Frazy, partner with EFO Ventures, joins the program talking all things, jumping into the venture capital game after a 25-year corporate career. So you hear about folks doing it all the time, but we're going to take a peek behind the curtain with Mr. Frazy as to what went into that decision and what is the day in the life of a brand new venture capitalist. What are some of the benefits? What are some of the challenges? And more importantly, what exactly is this space all about, especially when you're looking at the sustainability space? So we'll get to that here in just a second. But before we do that, real quick, don't forget, like, share, follow the Power Connect over at Apple, over at Spotify, go to the website as well, thepowerconnect.net. Follow us on LinkedIn, or excuse me, connect with us on LinkedIn, Fred Davis and the Power Connect page. If you want to be a podcast partner and or a guest on the show, Again, use LinkedIn, Fred Davis, The Power Connect, or you can reach out to us via email, fred at thepowerconnect.net, fred at thepowerconnect.net. All right, let's get right down to today's episode. Mr. Brett Frazee, partner with EFO Ventures. Some of the things we discussed, like I said, obviously getting into his new role as a partner with the venture capital firm EFO Ventures, but sort of how did that cross-country trip with his family kind of spur the idea for him to jump into the uh, venture capital space? and kind of launch that entrepreneurial bug, so to speak, how micro-mobility, kind of a focus of EFO Ventures, among other things, is more than just scooters, and they're helping to dispel that notion and have some great technology that's on deck there. And we hear a lot about investment. We hear a lot about incubation. We hear a lot about these places where you know companies can kind of huddle up and do their thing for you know six months, twelve months, eighteen months, whatever it is before launching their product. Obviously, the incubation period. But again, we also know that a lot of these companies, a lot of these startups, don't become profitable even after these large initial investments. Is incubation more important than the initial investment? We'll discuss that with Mr. Brett Frazee. Again, it's an absolutely fantastic conversation finding out how somebody after 25 years in the corporate world makes that entrepreneurial plunge. Without further ado, please enjoy Mr. Brett Frazee. You know, I think the great resignation and COVID affected a lot of people, right? And I spent the last two years of my career with you know, enterprise, and we were doing a great job retaining employees and, and, and coming up with great plans to make, you know, make our employees happy and feel good, whether they were at home or working in front of the, the client. And when we looked at that, I spent, again, all that time retaining employees. And so one day, um, we took a vacation, not one day, about six weeks, we drove from a 6,000 mile trek from Boca Raton to Montana. And we did the entire South and all the way up. It was beautiful. And I said, you know, I don't I, what am I doing? I want to do something more exciting too. And um, not that you know, the rent a car and transportation and leasing space isn't, but it's, 
that's a very fully developed space, um, big players. And I was with the company when we were in the hundreds of millions. And when it gets to a billions of dollars in revenue, companies take a different shape, not good, not bad, but it's just the necessity of business. So, um, and, and looking at, and then I took a year off and I really did homework and due diligence to see where, where do I fit in? Where, what's my passion, right? So there's probably areas of opportunity that have more revenue opportunity or more financial gain. Um, but this, I believe is really an emerging market. I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, opportunity to do good things with it. And I think it's going to, it's going to redefine what people think of micromobility, right? So the first thing that you said, for example, is the first thing that I said is scooters. It's scooters. And you see these scooters buzzing around and that's not necessarily a great thing everywhere either, because you know, that you see them in the ditch, you see them on the sidewalk, people are riding, you know, they're buzzing you when you're trying to walk down the sidewalk. So there's a negative aspect to micromobility as well, but that's not what it is in its entirety. I think it's everything that goes into micromobility, where it's bikes, scooters, mopeds, even to the amenities that you're at, you're on when you're riding one of these assets. You know, it's the comfortability of a vehicle, right? So I think there's a lot more to it than when you scratch the surface, or at least that, that's my plan. So you're driving around, and I'm, I'm guessing you drove from Boca Raton to Montana, you said? I did. Was this just like a, hey, let's just plot this thing out, just the two of us, Thumb and Louise style, and, and you know, minus driving off the canyon, let's, uh, let's just have some fun with it? Yeah, we, we took, um, we had my son and his friend, and we about half the trip, we did some college campus tours as we okay. went. So, yeah, we plotted it all out, and then Google Maps is fantastic. We had... You know, which I felt a little bit like uh, Chevy Chase on vacation, but uh, <laughs> but we we had a good time and um, and it was really enjoyable. I, and believe it or not, I tell people that they're like, that sounds miserable. We had a great time, you know, and we had the dog and we hiked and we did, you know, kind of the whole event on the way. Um, I worked in the mornings and then hiked in the afternoon or biked or whatever we were doing. So it was great. I guess when you plan a trip around it, it definitely, like I said, because I, look, there's definitely something to be said about driving. Right. And, and I want to get into this with you and because obviously you're, you know, we'll get a little bit more in the micro mobility side of things. But as far as the mobility side of things are concerned, how much of the mobility side uh, and I'm guessing is this EVs? Is this kind of the, you know, the, the, the infrastructure of EV, EVs or are you just pretty much sticking to the micro side of things? Uh, no, that's a great question. So micro mobility is really a subcategory of, of mobility, right? Okay. So you've got light electric vehicles which are maybe anything from you've seen gym cars or golf carts even or um, Polaris, you know, those, those anything that could be electrified and in, in, in that space is, would be a, a light electric vehicle. And you, you read a lot every day about every manufacturer, every rental car company, every fleet company jumping into the, the electric vehicle space, because that's obviously, I don't know if that's going to end up being electric or if it's going to be hydrogen or whatever is going to be the, the fuel of the future. There's a tremendous amount of resource going in there. Take that down a step and all the, the micro mobility or, and, and mobility is, um, you know, regardless of what powers these vehicles, there's some real congestion issues in a lot of cities, especially if you go to Europe, right? If you And, and these are older cities and, and they're just thousands of people living in a tighter space. So there's no way you're going to fit cars and things like that. Houston or Denver or, you know, some of these bigger cities spread out a little different logistics issues. So, as I looked at that, and, and I spent 
the bulk of my career with enterprise in the fleet side, working with these individual companies and seeing a whole different dynamic than most people would see, you see, you know, kind of these emerging technologies, these emerging emerging businesses. One of my best examples is, you know, with the advent of Amazon, right? The home delivery market. You know, there's a lot of micro home delivery opportunities. You're not going to see the the uh, the drone everywhere, but what you might see is is Amazon drivers on on bicycles or electric bicycles delivering cargo bicycles, and I think you see that a lot of places. And so there's there's just so many offshoots to this. But really, more specifically to answer your question, it can be anything from charging. It can be anything from, um, you know, we're working with some construction companies and infrastructure, right? They want to in- integrate electric infrastructure in the building technology. Sure. And so th- those kind of anything associated with the different verticals is what we're looking at. How do you discern through the noise to get to you know, something to invest in or, or, or do you guys, how do you stay on a certain track or I don't know. I mean, what, what's kind of your, your pattern or your style for what you want to go after, uh, investment wise. You you know, I can tell you that, um, there's a lot of noise around EV in general, right. And it's a lot of it's political and you got to look at be again, beyond the fact that California can't fuel this week, what's the solution to that, right? It's not going away, right? And what the beyond the fact that there's a scooter in the ditch in your home city and you don't like to see that blight, if you will, but there's a solution there. And, and what's the end solution, right? And and that's the game that we're trying to find investment in. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of great conversation around wireless charging and sustainable charging and solar charging and, um, in the state of Florida, there's a lot of investment in solar. And so as that evolves, does that take the burden off the traditional grid, right? And and do we segue into the transportation that way too? So I think you just got to sift through the noise and, and get down to really what the long-term effects are and, and long-term impact. So what did you take away from your time in enterprise when you, from transitioning to you know, working as an executive to now being on your own. And what were some of the personal challenges you've had to deal with when you've got an infrastructure in place? Uh, and, and again, enterprise is a well-oiled machine. I mean, let's call it what it is. I mean, again, there's probably not anybody, very few people that, you know, 25 or over that haven't rented a car from enterprise at some point in their lives. What was that like personally and professionally making that move? Well, I mean, I was you know, honored to be affiliated with that company for 25 years. It's a, as you mentioned, it's a well-oiled machine. You know, we talk about secret sauce when we're an enterprise a lot, right? And and I, you know, whether it be the, the client experience, they're great with, with customer service. 90% of the time, they're excellent, right? And that's the only thing they measure. So operational excellence, they do a phenomenal job maximizing the operational um, side of the business. And what people know, Normally, people would never have a peek behind the, the curtain to see what, how efficient they are, um, but I can assure you they're really well run, the way that they hire and promote and retain people. So just the whole gamut of really a well-run business and you know the sales process, the culture of um, accountability and growth, right? You're talking a company that is multi-billion dollar company that's growing phenomenally, right? So when you take a look at that and you layer it over an industry that's really in its infancy. That's what is is exciting to me. Plus I'm a cyclist, I like EV, I like this stuff. So I got to take a look at everything that 
can be developed or utilized. And I'm not saying it isn't today. I'm just saying, I think I might be able to help turn a couple of dials here and, and, and show some expertise in this field that's, that's not there. But you're right. They're, they're a well-oiled machine. It's a big company. And I tell you, some of the things that we, we talk, I had a you know, um, conversation with, with um, someone yesterday, a web f- uh, person that we're, you know, supports our systems. And you know, I'm like, hey, you know, back when I worked for a billion-dollar company, we'd say, hey, we'd like to see this, this, and this. And, and it would go to Oz, and boom, it would show up, right? Well, it's not, it's not that way, right? When you're working, there's really a lot more behind the scenes. So the, the legislative efforts, the, the tech, all of the things that you don't see every day, that's really the challenge with smaller companies. And that's where we can help kind of pool our resources and, and help people guide them through those channels. But this has been interesting for sure. When you've got a team behind you, it's, it's you know, there's a little, you, you know, you, I'm not going to say you rest a little bit easier, but again, to your point, it's like, look, things happen a little bit faster versus, oh, now you got to do it yourself. Or, you know, now, you, you know, instead of having, I'm sure you had, you know, plenty of people reporting to you, now it's okay. Now it all depends on what Brett Frazee does, right? Like this is your baby from soup to nuts. And so how's that switch been for you? Yeah, that's a really good question. And, and thankfully, it's not just me, right? I'm, I'm involved with some other great people, and they're very smart people. And so that's number one, I, you know, I would never work in an industry where there, I wasn't surrounded by smarter people than me. This is just fantastic, right? It's a great place for me to develop and learn. Um, but if someone asked me this question the other day, too, the, the, you know, when you're working for a a corporation or you have a job and that paycheck shows up every other week or whatever it is, and you got health and all the, right. There's a little bit of a a comfort zone. Well, when you go out and you say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to write a check out of my own savings account to fund this guy or this company or this um, idea, that's, that's a thrill or it's a little bit of a risk, but it's a thrill. And it's like, okay, well now I am vested. I got to make sure that this happens. Not that you aren't in the corporate world, but this is really your, your investment. So you have to take that, that at a whole different level of, of um, focus, if you will. And I, to me, it's, it's exciting. So that's what fires me up. And I get up every day. It's really exciting the things and some of the good things, you know, again, I mentioned earlier, you know, working for a, a big, big company is, is good. Right. Um, but there's, it's not great all the time. So I can tell you that, you know, we had an opportunity where there was a, a major issue within the micro mobility space a couple of weeks ago where bolt mobility apparently, you know, shuttered some of their operations and, and my partners figured out how to handle those customers literally within a day or two and pivoted to create another opportunity and we didn't have to go through layers of attorneys and the risk management department and this department and that department to see, hey, is this is this okay? We just did it. And so the ability to move quickly is really an advantage when you're a small operator, and you can do things um, that many big companies can't can't do. Right? Simply, you just can't pivot that quickly. And so that's really an advantage of the small versus the big. Walk us through the day in the life of Brett Frazee as a VC and kind of, you know, the glamorous side and then the less glamorous side. Yeah. Um, well, that's it's funny you bring that up. So the day in the life is I also have the 
the, the good fortune to spend a lot of time with some of the larger private equity guys and, and I get to see what they do and, and they're doing the same thing we are except on a larger scale, right? And so as we look at this and I've you know been fortunate to spend some time with them, you know, whether you're looking at a large company that's been operating for, you know, a decade or more, and you buy that as a, as a private equity or a venture capital company where it's a great new idea. Yeah, there's a little bit of a risk difference because, you know, these startups don't have a proven track record yet, but you, you get to know the sense of the quality of the management team. You know, I had a meeting yesterday, day in the life. I had four meetings yesterday before noon, and they were very exciting um, for me, right? And one of which was the the COO of a tech company. And he spent time in aerospace and at SpaceX and his education was phenomenal. And just to hear him talk about the passion and the energy that he's gone through, right? That learning curve, you know, I felt fantastic when I hung up the phone because I know this guy has had some wins, had some failure and has learned. And he's a really smart guy to figure out how to pivot and see where that opportunity is. So that's one of those calls you get off and you go, hey, I feel fantastic about this opportunity. The flip side is, is until you get in the venture capital space or the investment space, I don't think people appreciate how many people are out there pitching ideas. I mean, there are hundreds and thousands of people out there seeking money um, for this idea or that idea. And, and I get hit up all the time with this or that. So it's it was real crucial for us to, or at least me, to stay in my swim lane, if you will. What do I know or what am I comfortable evaluating effectively? And if as long as I stay there, then I can, you know, that's the foundation. Then we can take a look at the people and say, hey, is this idea have merit? Do the people have merit? And that's that's really the, the, the key um, for my evaluation. How long did it take you to figure that out? Well, you know, I would be, wouldn't be truthful if I didn't say I've been doing that um, throughout my history, even with my career, you know, and I use kind of this 5P model, potential, purpose, um, progress, and, and um, the potential piece is the really big one for me. In, in a VC or in business, there's got to be two things for potential. Number one, the business has to have potential, right? So is there an opportunity for this business to grow in the future or is it you know, are we investing in something that's gone, right? That's not ever going to come back or it's fleeting. So there's potential for the business. And the biggest potential aspect is, is the potential in the people. So what sort of potential do the people have? You know, they might be at their lid, so to speak. You really have to evaluate the opportunity for growth for people, whether it be as an employee or a partner or a, an owner or a, an inventor or entrepreneur, or whatever it is, what's the potential of the people? And I think that's a really crucial part of the evaluation process. Do you do most of this over Zoom or how much, how, what's the breakdown versus doing it in person versus doing it over Zoom? Well, recently I've been doing mostly over Zoom because I'm, I'm kind of remote. I don't know if you can tell. I'm, sure. um, Great view, lake. by the way. Thank you. Um, but when I'm, you know, when I'm back home in in, uh, in South Florida, there's a lot of a lot of VC money, a lot of investment money, a lot of opportunities down there. So um, the I would say 50-50 um, when I'm in South Florida and in, in the the heat of the the deal. With everything being equal, what percentage of it sometimes is just your gut? I would say 90% is your gut, right? And uh. and you're you're using all of those other criteria that are kind of, you've trained your, your, uh, your gut to feel over the time. And, and I'll give you an example is when I, you know, when I partnered with, uh, 
EFOV is, is um, had a great call, had a couple great calls. And I got off and I'm like, these guys have potential. They've got background. I feel good about it. I got a good gut feeling. And I, but it was over Zoom. And, um, you know, one gentleman, uh, Sean's in Ireland and one was in Atlanta. And I said, well, I can't get to Ireland easily. So, you know, I called him. I said, hey, I'm going to come up tomorrow and I want to, I want to touch and feel what we're doing. And I want to sit at at your table. And, and um, so to answer your question, I think you get far more on a one-on-one basis, right? You get to see the body language and not that you can't hear, but you, you get to see, you know, what kind of, what kind of environment they're in and um, it's non-filtered. And for me, you know, at least in our business, I want to touch and feel the product. Um, and I want to say, Hey, is this something that I can put my brand on? Because that's the most important thing for me is my brand. I'm not going to represent something that I'm not a hundred percent behind. And so, yeah, got on a plane. I was in Atlanta the next day. I'm meeting, shaking hands, checking out the products. And, um, and I got back on the plane. I'm like, this is fantastic. So uh, you just reassure that, that process with a face-to-face. So EFO Ventures is a fund really specifically targeted to mobility, micro-mobility, MobiTech um, is, is kind of the term. So we right now have six really cool dynamic companies that we're invested in, two scooter companies that maybe let's call it retail-based, uh, but they're in Europe. Europe is, is a whole different animal from that perspective. We've got a, a new electric bike brand that's very cool, very high-end, integrated, well-engineered. We've got a technology company that, in my mind, is is just so far ahead of its time. You know, in cars, you get in and, and there's collision avoidance and lane changing opportunities. Well, believe it or not, there's some of that in in these scooters and bikes where you get on a scooter and it'll tell you if you're on the sidewalk and you shouldn't be, or it'll stop. Or if you park the, yeah, if you park the vehicle or the the scooter in a, or moped in a place it shouldn't be, it'll let you know. Um, or if you're about to get rear-ended, it will give you a verbal warning. So this technology is really unbelievable. And, and so we have ownership in a company uh, in that space. Um, and we've got a couple companies that are really focused on the manufacturing side. So we're supplying those limes and the birds, if you will. I don't know if they're exactly our clients today, but um, but those we're manufacturing scooters, mopeds, bikes for them. And so it's really interesting to deal with that as well. So, um, and again, we're looking at different um, verticals. We want, you know, more opportunities in different, different venues. So that's um, very exciting. How challenging is it right now in the sustainability space? What I'm guessing when you talk about you've got thousands of folks out there trying to figure out, okay, what space do you get into or what's kind of the strategy for, for the rest of the sustainability world? Well, I think, again, even though it's been around for you know a decade or so, it's really in its infancy. And I think people are really, really struggling to find what's the best model. And you know, traditionally, the scooters, because we've talked about that a couple of times, you know, we don't believe that the current scooter revenue models is right. I mean, most of these companies don't make money and, um, you know, they get huge private equity backing and, and they're just treading along trying to get scale and um, growth without profitability is not always the best model. And, and so, you know, go figure. Um, and, and so we, we believe there might be a, a hybrid opportunity and a different revenue model there. And so, you know, we're looking at 
at that. And we think that that's going to really kind of revolutionize how people view it, how people treat it um, from an asset standpoint and what's what's next down that line. But when you talk about the incubation and I think in some ways you could argue and, and you just talked about it is, OK, yeah, you can throw all this money at something. But if the if the company doesn't become profitable, then what? I mean, what, what are we doing, right? And, and, and I would argue that in some cases, is the incubation just as vital, if not more vital, than the initial investment? You know, I haven't looked at it that way, but I think that's a great perspective, you know, because, again, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago with um, the, the overnight transition of one of the, the companies in the, in the mobility space, you know, it was, it was one of the partners said, hey, what if we, what if we approach it this way? And, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, nobody's done that. But we, we approach these, these cities and, um, and universities and like, yeah, we would love that. Right. And so it was really a pivot on, on the revenue model, but it, again, I go back to maybe, and this goes back to coming from a business that, that made money and made good money because we were operationally sound. I think there's a lot to that. So, and this might be a, a segue, I, you know, I made another investment into a company called Bitecase. And it's a really, on the surface, it's a, a kind of a boring business, right? It's we make hard goods, cases, um, phone holders for your bike or or backpack or, or you know, baskets or whatever, sure. right? But you know what's great about those businesses is they make money. And they, <laughs> there's something they to be have, said for that, right? <laughs> yeah, they have a great foundation in manufacturing and production, right? And so then you take that and you you throw in some incubation ideas like, wow, what, what happens if we just make a, a, a bike product like a helmet or a bag that talks to the phone, that talks to the bike or the scooter or whatever you're riding, right? And so now all of a sudden we've we've electrified a boring product. We've smartified uh, a product that traditionally wouldn't be exciting, yeah. right? We've, we've levered our existing manufacturing lines to create a product that is really neat. So and then I look at our micro mobility space and I say, well, wouldn't it be great if if you, you went out, you put a helmet on and your helmet talked to your bike bag, talked to your bike and you're riding along and it could give you verbal cues in your helmet. Hey, there's someone on your left. Right. Or there's someone on your right or get off the curb or or heaven forbid you have an accident. It notifies somebody that you've you've set up. Hey, Brett's had an accident you know, double check on them, or there's been a, an issue with one of the, the pieces of equipment that are linked to him in this mobility space. So all of a sudden, we're not talking about getting from point A to point B, we're talking about how we get to point mm -hmm. B from point A. And are we enjoying the, 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 the ride? Is it safe? And, you know, I used this example the other day, you know, people don't buy a Ferrari, right, because they want to spend $300,000 on a Ferrari to get from point A to point B. It's how they want to get from point A to point B, right? And so to see that evolution, and it's coming in the mobility space, the micro-mobility space, is going to be fun, right? And there's going to be a lot of opportunity there. So that kind of hopefully um, illustrates why I, I think it's multifaceted, not um, you know just getting from A to B. All right, we'll start winding this down, and and I'll tell you what I, I I'm uh, I'm certainly intrigued by what you're doing, and I I have certainly enjoyed because I like I said micro mobility is something that 
I mean, look, I, I enjoy riding a bike uh, from time to time. Uh, as you know, and I'm guessing you're probably in your mid-40s. I'm 41. Uh, the knees definitely feel a lot better after a bike ride than they do after pounding the pavement, trying to run around, uh, needless to say. Have we, and, and, and you mentioned something too, and, and again, not to sound like a curmudgeon here, but when it comes to, well, and I don't care what vertical you're in, you know, sustainability, video games, whatever. And, you know, I've got, like I said, I've got a 19 year old daughter and a 14 year old son. So I'm, you know, I'm certainly not hit, but I'm, I'm at least cognizant of what's going on over there. But you mentioned, your, you know, your bike case company where they're taking normal things and things that you have to have that maybe aren't flashy or sexy, but modernizing them. Have we kind of gotten so caught up, and I'm certainly sure you've seen this in the VC space, and I know just from reading about it, is that have we gotten too off on the end of things need to be flashy and maybe less practical and started dumping money and things like that versus things that you know what if we just a tweak here a slow tweak there and maybe it's not flashy maybe it's not sexy but it's practical that makes money I mean is is there maybe a you know do you see a lot of that or maybe is there a push getting back to that or is there already that is that already happening you know I I don't I can't speak to that I think that there's always going to be that flashy uh you know buyer um but you as a parent you just mentioned you have a couple kids that are teenagers right and and I've had that, right? And thank you. Um, I've got a decade on you. But um, <laughs> what what investment would you make in a product if you knew that your son or daughter, when they got on their bike um, and they had an accident, you would be notified immediately, right? Yeah. That that that's a that's an investment that you would say, I don't care how much it costs, right? I'm going to buy this for for my for my child. And so that's a safety issue. And and. And re, the, the reality of it is, and, and this kind of comes back to the, the others, when these cities are looking at, do we allow micromobility in our city? They're really thinking about these things. They're thinking about the safety of their citizens and the, 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 the enjoyment of their, of their pedestrians and, and everything. And so all of these things kind of come together and they say, hey, we, we want a better mousetrap. And that's where we're here to make you know, uh, bring together a collection of companies that are making better mousetraps. And so, you know, flash or not flash, um, I think there's going to be some real opportunity here um, moving forward to make, you know, things better um, in this space and really develop it fully. Get you out of here with this. Uh, I mean, I mean, hell, we've only got four months left of 2022 for crying out loud. One, and, and, and as I want to do, I, I like to take one question and I'll spread it out into three or four. So pardon my ADD brain when I, when I do this. One, um, any, I'm, obviously I know you're happy with the decision you've made. A, do you wish you would have made it sooner? B, what are some of the challenges and what are, the, what are you looking most forward to in, at the end of 2022 and beyond when it comes to what you're doing with uh, both EFO and your, uh, your own personal business? Yeah, I mean, I, I wish I would have. I wish I would have had introductions to the all of these folks a little earlier. But that's just the way life is, right? And um, I, I maybe wouldn't have appreciated as much had I not seen everything leading up to that. And so, you know, one of my partners um, who who does podcasts and things the other day had a terrible terrible day. He goes, "It was a terrible day yesterday." And I said, "Well, you don't appreciate a terrible day unless you or a good day unless you have a terrible day." And so, I think that that appreciation 
is kind of the part of the learning curve. So yes, I would have, I wish I would have gotten in sooner, but I, it may not have been the same. And what am I looking forward to in 2023? Venture capital is a unique spot because you're investing in entrepreneurs, but on the same token, you're going out getting people money so that you can invest. So it's it's a it's an ecosystem that's very dynamic. It's pull push, and and so I'm optimistic that we're going to have some great fundraises here soon. And I'm looking for great entrepreneurs that we can partner with, and I'm great looking for great colleagues that would like to join us in investing in these young entrepreneurs. So that's really what I'm looking forward to is is just finding a balance of this ecosystem in 2023. And I think that's so exciting out there. Uh, especially when you, you when you look at the stock market and, and it's just it's not great news recently. So this is in my mind a much better opportunity to impact um, real people with your dollars and and potentially get a lot more impact back than you would in the in the stock market. Thank you so much for that, Mr. Brett Frazee. You can catch all of the Power Connect podcast over at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on the website, thepowerconnect.net. Don't forget, next week, we've got another great episode. We've got the back-to-back. I've been promising it to you. It's going down next week. The most electrified couple in the energy transition. Don Wright, his wife, electrified Veronica. They're putting in the 99 Jeep Cherokee. They're making an EV. Uh, They're getting this thing ready for the big conference in a couple weeks. So uh, stick around. Check out that podcast. You will be glad that you did. They've got a big event coming up on September 17th as well over in Wisconsin. So go to electrifiedveronica.com, electrifiedveronica.com, Veronica with a K. So definitely go check that out. You can get kind of some behind the scenes as to what those two are doing. It's a fascinating project. Plus, they're also just very, very intelligent people and are very ahead of the curve when it comes to battery technology and what's going on with this EV craze. Then uh, another week from a week from next week, again, just 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 bear with me, folks. Follow me. It'll, it'll all make sense. Robert Jensen, one of the co-authors of the book, An Inconvenient Apocalypse. One of my best interviews ever, and I'm talking pound for pound. I don't care. Sports, radio, podcasting, doesn't matter. Robert Jensen, what a phenomenal conversation he and I had. Inconvenient Apocalypse. Look, you know me. I've I've interviewed my handful of authors uh, while I've been on these shows. But the conversation that he and I had, because again, this is not light reading, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I mean, look, obviously the the title of the book tells you all you need to know, an an inconvenient apocalypse, but it is not light reading, but there is a deeper message behind the book. And once you hear from Mr. Robert Jensen, you'll understand why. So go check out the book if you haven't heard about it already, an inconvenient apocalypse. I'm not one to shill, Eh, maybe a little bit, but I'm telling you right now, I'm shilling for this book because it is absolutely well done from a phenomenal, fascinating human being in Mr. Robert Jensen and his co-author, Wes Jackson, who ironically enough is from uh, my hometown I guess it would be his hometown as well the good old T.O.P. Topeka, Kansas shout out to everybody that makes this show possible the audience, the guests, everybody for tuning in thank you guys so much, hey leave us a 5 star rating while you're at it too, okay, Uh, it helps with the algorithm and listen to the entire podcast all that good stuff, you know the drill by now, this has been the Power Connect Podcast connecting the energy transition one conversation at a time wake up Builders, time to build a new land. I know we could do it if we all lend a hand. The only thing we have to do.